0: you're listening to the broadway podcast network hi and welcome to the compass the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist i'm leah walsh my guest today is chanel da silva chanel is an incredible dancer we were at juilliard together where i loved watching her work after graduation she was dancing with dance companies outside of new york city for many years but is now back freelancing and involved in so many cool things. She is a dancer, choreographer, teacher, and co-founder of a new organization called Move NYC, which I'm very excited for you all to hear about. I hope you enjoy the 23rd episode of The Compass. So, what is the dark side for you as an artist, and how do you try to keep yourself from going there?
1: Uh, Man, recently, the dark side has been this place of um, uh, this this looming question, am I a good dancer? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've never had that question. You know, of course, we've all dealt with self-doubt dealt with it my entire training but I've never questioned whether or not I was a good dancer and when I came back to New York after living in Idaho for six years and dancing the Trey McIntyre project where I was very celebrated mm-hmm. toward the world and toward the country and uh, dance mostly leads and Trey's pieces I came to New York and it was slapping me around I wasn't getting hired I was going on audition after audition after audition and not getting it and I wasn't used to that and I started to hear this like really terrible question of, am I a good dancer? Because uh, I started to doubt whether or not I was a good dancer or you know, I, I wasn't getting anything. And um, you know, the, the, the rational Chanel knows that that's not the right question yeah. to ask yourself. But the irrational Chanel, the egotistical Chanel, the one whose um, identity and self-worth is tied up in her career as a dancer and, and being on stage, questioned that immensely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the dark side for me. That was, that was, I was waking up to that question every morning and it was not good. I was in this blah place where I was depressed and um, I didn't really have a will to do anything. Yeah. (laughs) And I had never really felt that before. And so I was trying to figure out how to combat that. And I knew then that I was going to have to start making opportunities for myself. And, you know, maybe today that doesn't mean that I'm actually physically dancing, but if I'm a part of the performing arts in some kind of way, shape, or fashion, whether that's making dance happen for other people or um, choreographing dance, mm-hmm. um, then my purpose is still being still being fulfilled.
0: So you came back to New York. What was it? Three years ago? Almost no, two, almost two years three, ago.
1: Came back in 2014.
0: Yeah, but you when did you go to Idaho right after you graduated from Juilliard? Yeah. So you were working nonstop there for a, a while
1: years straight with one choreographer, which was fantastic. Um, but I was, I was yearning to do different types of things. I was yearning for the freelance life, which is the irony that kills me. Like I was talking to myself saying, man, I wish I could just like do a whole bunch of projects and jump around. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of tired of the monotony of the day to day and knowing my schedule. I got, I got here <laughs> and you're like oh <laughs> oh
0: you know I ran into another friend of ours who's in a Broadway show right now and he mentioned something along the same lines or he was like oh I told him about some project I was doing he said that sounds so interesting I'm you know I'm loving the stability of this job but I'm itching for the variety okay. and it's so funny how you like you get what you want and then you're like oh wait the grass looks greener over there <laughs>
1: I'll say this to kind of juxtapose on the juxtaposition of the dark side. I've never felt more alive than I do right now. Like, I am a mad woman. I am (laughs) working eight different places in a day. You know, I'm working three jobs, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm teaching, I'm building an organization, I'm choreographing, I'm trying to dance as much as possible. And I get very little sleep, but I feel alive. I feel like I'm constantly on fire bubbling i have i have inspiration everywhere i turn yes i'm crying all the time but like that's great <laughs> it's like really weird thing i'm also about to turn 30 so i think there's a whole lot yeah of there's
0: some going transitions up. going on yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So Saturn return is like going crazy but i think that's a part of um the dark side like you know, i am not stable my life is yeah. unpredictable
0: but you're also not stagnant. But I'm not stagnant. Yeah. I
1: haven't plateaued. Like I'm constantly right. searching, and that is what I was yearning for.
0: That's good. So, it's so what was that um, like over the past two years? Like when did those first little bubbles of, oh, I need to do something tangible, start happening? When you, like when you came back and you were not getting the kinds of work that you wanted. When did you start figuring out like, okay, I need to start something on my own?
1: Yeah, I got back to New York June of. Well, July of 2014. And actually, right when I got back, I was working with Laura Lubavitch, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Went right into, like, an eight-week project with him. But after that, we just kind of had a break for a while. And I remember specifically January of 2015, I was trying to hold out, like, not get a real job. Hold out so I could audition every day and wait for a job that I really wanted to be a part of. And I was just waking up every day purposeless. Like, yeah. I guess today I'll just... Maybe I'll, you know, go shopping or something. Like
0: that then, feeling of waiting around.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it 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 didn't anger me, it just depressed me. Um and I um it was somewhere around like March of twenty fourteen, around I turn like twenty nine, that I was like, Okay, you know what? For one I need to get a real job because I need mm-hmm. to support myself <laughs> Um, but then also, like, what else can I do? Like, I need to teach. I need to be a part of something. And um, so I started teaching randomly and, like, posting it to Facebook, letting people know I was an educator. And, uh, and then Nigel and I, of course, were starting Move NYC. So we were still just in, like, the seedling phases of it. So uh-huh. now, we're, like, now we're, like, really moving it forward. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but then it was in June of 2015, uh, the chairman of the department at LaGuardia High School called me. She said, which yeah, is where
0: you went to school which for where high I school. Went
1: to school. Yeah. yeah, that's my alma mater. And uh, she called me and she said, Chanel, we have a position open. I want you to come in and teach freshman Graham. <laughs> which at first I was very, very, very tentative about taking it because <laughs> it's, you know, I, I love Graham. I grew up on it, but I didn't know if I wanted to teach it and to freshmen. But also, you know, there's this, this idea in the dance world that if you start teaching, you're kind of done with your career. Right. <laughs> hmm. And I was—I'm not done. I'm not in any shape, way, or form. I have so much more to say as a dancer. But I didn't want people to think like, "Oh, wow, so she's—you know, she's teaching now." She's teaching now, and so there was there goes my ego again.
0: Do is that preconception something like if you're teaching full time, like at a school like that, or because people still like they teach workshops. I mean, that stereotype of oh, you're starting to teach, like people who teach at studios and stuff—is that the the perception of them too? Kind of. Yeah.
1: a spring chicken anymore, but I'm certainly not an old yeah. dancer. But I'm in that phase in life where people are like, Okay, well, what's next? Right, sort of, and now that I'm taking on sort of a full time looking job, people are like, Oh, she teaches now, mm. you know what I mean? I'm not out here, you know, pounding the pavement trying to audition as much. I am, but it doesn't look that way. So, um, but you know, Laura Lubish said something really beautiful to me when I came to him. And I said, Laura, I'm scared, I don't know that I should take this job. I'm, I feel like I'm succumbing to this comfortability of like, I can't find a job so I'll teach and he says, Chanel, LaGuardia is just some place where you will hang your hat for a while. If you're not done dancing, then you're not done dancing. It is a place to hang your hat. And when you're ready, you pick that hat up and you go on your way. It was the best piece of advice to calm my spirit mm-hmm. <laughs> he could have ever given me. Um took so much weight away. Like I don't have to I don't have to hold myself to some sort of standard. I'm teaching now, and that's great. So yeah. It does not mean I'm not going to dance. Now it does mean I need to stay in class. I need to stay in shape. <laughs> but, you know. It
0: I'm doesn't mean help. you have to teach there for 10 years. No. Yeah.
1: So that, that's, that's, <laughs> that was a struggle, and he helped me with that.
0: Um, How has taking that teaching job affected your other day jobs? Are you still working at the restaurant, too? hmm I mm-hmm. work at
1: the restaurant in the evening. Which, you know, it's hard when you got to get up and teach in the morning and yeah. stay. But um, it doesn't conflict so much. It does, teaching in the morning and working at night sort of conflicts with auditioning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now I find that if it's an 11 a.m. audition, uh, I can't really go. But if it's 2 p.m., I can go. You know? Right. So I kind of have to pick and choose which auditions i actually going to show up at. And if it's an open call, then I have to get there super early. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not an equity dancer yet. So, you know, it's a lot of. <laughs> I'm juggling um, but I'm trying I'm trying my best to be in eight different places at once
0: what's it like being around those freshmen in high school you know that's so young
1: they young I came in thinking man I'm going to change their lives you know which is like I have so much to give them I have so much to teach them in December I realized that they have actually taught me everything you know about Curiosity, learning something for the first time, reimagining the Graham technique. Um, uh, You know, what does it mean to be hungry? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to not take this moment for granted?
0: Yeah, because that's such a competitive school. Like, they want to be there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then you get there and you get complacent because you're one of the best. You're at LaGuardia High School. I'm here now. I don't have to work hard. No, you have to work hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they push me to be a better artist every day, you know, especially when I'm speaking to them. I'm careful about what I say. What do I want to pass on to them? And then I challenge myself to take my own advice.
0: You <laughs> You're know? like, oh, I just heard that come out of my mouth. <laughs> exactly. You know, i
1: you telling them not to be dowdy and to own their space, and I go to the audition and I'm standing in the back.
0: Right. Hmm. You're so. like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: So, yeah, it's, it's been incredible. It's been incredible. And I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. You know, there's something that I can offer, but there's also a lot for me to be learning in this Period in my life, mm-hmm. so it's been it's been great. It's been great. Um, I love teaching. I feel like it's yeah. another calling, you know. Um, and maybe that's what this part of my life is supposed to be—just like fostering a different calling. Like you, you, you are a dancer. You've done that, even if it was for one company. You did it. You toured the world. You did exactly what you said you were going to do when you were a little girl, you know, which was to dance, get paid for it, and see the world. Those three
0: things. Amazing.
1: So I simply <laughs> did that and now i'm fostering this other calling which is education which i feel very passionate about yeah
0: so tell me a little bit about move nyc because that's your new venture with your best friend which i also think is amazing that you guys are building Mm -hmm. something together
1: yes i'm building move nyc with nigel campbell um he and i have been best friends since we were 13. oh my gosh into the same church the same dance studio in brooklyn laguardia together juilliard together and he and i have been separated for seven years now because he went to dance in europe and chicago I was in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> now we're back. And um, I said the other day that I Better was in, than ever. I know, right? <laughs> Dynamic duo. They call us Shen I love it. Um, I was in Sweden and I said, Nigel, what do we need to give back to our community? Like, what can we do? And you know, what can we do? Mm-hmm. So we just we decided to give back to the dance community and to do that via the training. And so move NYC is a three week summer dance intensive and we're hosting it August 8th to the 27th at the give me dance center two eighty Broadway. And it is a rigorous dance education exclusively geared toward New York city teenagers ages 13 to 18. Um, and we're, we're training them in ballet, contemporary, repertory, improvisation, jazz and yoga, career management, guest panel discussions and leadership seminars so that they can be broad Mm -hmm. artists, you know, um, Imagine I find that a lot of dance training, even when we were growing up, is about training the physical, and you didn't really train the mind. So that you, you let us out into the world at 18, and we're just these amazing dance robots that don't know yeah. how to send an email. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and like if you do get lucky enough to be in a company for a while, then you have you know you have someone else kind of guiding the way. But then when you come to the point where you're freelancing, which is the majority of people. Um, in acting or in dance, like then you have to have those skills, and it it is something that I feel like education overlooks a lot of times. It's like how and how do you create your own work and something that's going to feed you and mm-hmm. communicate with other send emails yeah, exactly. <laughs> communicate with other people. Exactly. That's great.
1: Yeah, so we want to give that to to our young people before they turn twenty one or twenty two when they're leaving college or even eighteen. People mm-hmm. so are doing a full career eighteen.
0: Yeah. Do you already have? um all of your teachers and stuff lined up, or are you still, working, I'm on still it?
1: working on that? You know,
0: I know it's hard to plan exactly, ahead when you're Exactly, in and all of our friends are artists.
1: also artists. So they're like I don't know like two months. Yeah, <laughs> what I'll be doing in August. Exactly. So it's kinda of hard to nail people down. But most people are like, yeah, we're everybody is on board. Yeah. So when we call on them, they're like, Yes, I wanna do it, but like they don't know exactly if they can do it.
0: Or how so they can help. Or how yeah. they can
1: help. Yeah. So a lot of people want to volunteer and so we're just asking for help anywhere we can get it you know more hands on deck the mm-hmm.
0: better
1: um, but yeah we need to nail down our teachers that's something we probably
0: need to do so. um, but the, the most amazing thing about this to me is that you're trying to offer it completely free mm-hmm. um, which since I had the pleasure of coming to your um, launch party or whatever it was for Move NYC and hear you guys speak about it and how important that was because a lot of dance training is so expensive and becomes about your parents income level basically when you're young mm-hmm. But that also brings a really heavy weight on you guys to bring the fundraising, which is such a feat to tackle. So how that's not like the creative, getting in the classroom part of it. (laughs) How has that been so far?
1: Exactly. Nigel and I just spoke about this. We have spent so much time actually trying to figure out how this program is going to function financially that we have gotten so far from what we're actually going to teach these children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we still gonna, have time, but we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get back to that. But um, you know, because um, that's the fun stuff. That's the that's that's the stuff we know how to do. Um, but actually, Leah, you know, so many people believe in Move NYC and the vision for it and the mission that we've actually raised close to two thirds now. Oh on my gosh! Um, at, the, at our event, Mixed Mingle and Moving NYC, we raised over $7,000. That's
0: amazing. That's
1: incredible. We're so humbled and honored that, you know, people believe in it and they understand the necessity. Um, and honestly, it's a lot to get this money together, but I believe that these talented young people are worth it. They're worth it. They're totally worth it. If we can offer it to, like, you know, the next Misty Copeland, mm-hmm. the next Mikhail who knows? You know, like... To say that we found that gem and helped them on the path to their success, that's it for me. Like, that's my legacy. So it's it's totally worth it for me. Like, I will, you know, I will... We're not supposed to say this out loud, but I will teach for free. I will direct for free. Mm -hmm. It means that much to me that young people are going to have the opportunity. Because I didn't have that opportunity. And I still made it, you know, with lots of help from people and my mother. Mm -hmm. But it just... It boggles me that things are so expensive, and um, the understanding that the need for the arts to be cultivated at a young age is just kind of like
0: disappearing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know,
1: and so Nigel and I are like, no, no, no. How do we, how do we
0: <laughs>
1: pull that back to the center?
0: Yeah. So, so it hasn't been it hasn't been too overwhelming dealing with that side of it.
1: It hasn't been. I mean, Nigel and I have been busting our asses. Like, yeah. You know, emails. Lots of emails, you know, social media. All right. Yeah. I've talked to this person. Okay, we need marketing materials. Like, okay, how do we do that? Okay, what do we gonna right. do? Okay, we need a trailer. Okay, how So do you're we learning
0: that? all sorts of new stuff. Yeah.
1: I, I built our website. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what I mean. Going back to that question you were talking about when I felt purposeless at the beginning of 2015, you know, now I'm not necessarily dancing, but when I'm at Starbucks and I'm building our website, gosh, I'm on fire. Yeah. And you
0: get to see the result. Yeah. it's wonderful. You know, and it's only so a year later that's incredible (laughs) for dancers it's so intense that you have to stay in such physical shape you like you just can't Mm -hmm. lay your instrument down (laughs) you know you have to be working all the time um I'm not exactly sure what my question is but how does that does that give you any structure to your life that is helpful and keeping you motivated like Oh, I don't. I don't have an audition to go to today, but I can. I can go to the gym, or I can go to a class. And like, does that give your life shape?
1: It does. In a way. Actually, it does. And when I was really depressed, I also, you know, someone said to me at that point, they were like, "When's the last time you took class? When's yeah. the last time you actually moved your body? When's the last time you picked up your instrument?" Mm-hmm. And I realized at that mo- at that moment, I had not picked up my instrument in maybe six weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had gone to the gym. I did my little treadmill and. But I had not picked up my instrument and fed my artistic soul in six weeks, and I—that was the first time in my life where I realized, for good and for bad, that my happiness was tied to my artistry, yeah, tied to my dancing. Um, And it kind of scared me because, like, when when I can't dance anymore, what am I going to (laughs) do? Right. When I get to like you know fifty something.
0: I guess there's a difference. Like that is the dangerous part with the dark side is like when you tie it to your art. Mm And commerce in an unhealthy way like if someone else isn't paying you to do your art then your happiness is like down in the dumps um I guess the challenge is to try to keep that tie healthy (laughs) where it's just tied to like if I can move for myself if I can dance with friends or if I can act with friends like then my happiness is still in my control and not just if some casting director recognized it or not you know but it's easy to it's easy to do that sometimes. Yeah, it was
1: a good learning experience for me because I've been dancing since I was three. Yeah, oh my so, gosh. I mean, my, my everything, my happiness, my self-worth is tethered to dance. And I realized that that was a really good thing and a really bad thing at the same time. But now I know, like, I know when I'm hungry to, to move. I know it because then I'll just be like, okay, I have to go to class today. Nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. I have to pick up my instrument today whether or not I'm falling out of my pirouettes or if I'm a hot mess, like I was in class with other like-minded individuals, sort of like church. Yeah. You know, like when I It's I'm, a practice, yeah, it's a practice. I treat it very, it's very sacred to me. Um, you know, when I'm feeling like I need to connect, I go take class and then I walk out, I'm sweaty, you know, maybe my foot hurts, but I feel really great. And I'm like, okay, grad to class today. Now I can like go do this website. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I need it. I need it. So I realize like I'm gonna have to do it for the rest of my life, whatever that means in whatever capacity I can do it. Whether I'm just taking half the class, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to move around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes me want to go out and uh, meet some older dancers and see how they, oh, yeah. what they do in their eighties. You know, I don't want to be one of those. I'm crazy curious. <laughs> Some not, I didn't like, say crazy, but <laughs> they are later but how later. they how they fulfill that desire, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, that some age. of my mentors, you know, like some of my teachers at Juilliard, are still in class, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not crazy. They're just like, this is my this is my art.
0: Yeah, you your me- meditation and yeah,
1: you know. But then there's the ones who are like trying to hop around on their point shoes at 85, and I'm
0: like, <laughs> you got to save your hip at that point yeah, to right, save know, it. This, this is <laughs> it's okay.
1: But um, yeah, that was a great learning lesson for me just w- what my art actually means to me and then how, how like you said what is the healthy side of that and what's the unhealthy side of that Yeah, because the unhealthy side goes to my dark side which is like you're not a good dancer
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're not fulfilling your dreams and no one else said that to me no one else said it it was Chanel talking to Chanel like that and yeah. I realized how egotistical I was <sighs> it was, it was mind blowing because I don't think of myself as egotistical like
0: Right. Chest,
1: higher than that, like no, but like I have a standard that I've set for myself mm-hmm. that I didn't even realize. And when I wasn't holding my, when I wasn't to that standard, I was talking to myself. I was demeaning myself.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: crazy. I was like, I'm egotistical. My ego, like I need to check my ego. I need to be kind to myself.
0: Yeah, it's really easy to beat up on yourself. It was scary. <laughs> You know, sometimes I, if I'm in that place, which I I said something very similar. I was aware of it, but I said something very similar to someone yesterday. I was like, sometimes I, I'm a, I'm having this imposter syndrome, and sometimes I'll be like, am I am I a good actor? Even though obviously, like we've all had the training and done the work, and we know we can do it. But those moments when you really go to the self doubt and you're like am I? <laughs> Is the world trying to tell me that I can't do this? And um, every once in a while, if I voice one of those things, Frankie will be like, be nice to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're right. You need to, I need to be more kind to myself. That's amazing. <laughs> that, that's, amazing. that's amazing. Yeah, yes, really Frankie's sweet. It's really Frankie's sweet. <laughs> um, so how did you start dancing when you were three? Was that something that you were it was just obvious that you needed to do, or did your mom put you in it? Or
1: yeah, apparently the story is that I looked up at a poster and I said, "I want to do that." And my grandmother, actually, who was a huge lover of dance, mm-hmm. said, "Okay, Aww. well let's let's put you in dance school." And apparently, I cried. The first passed, <laughs> and then the third one, she said, "Okay, if you cry this time, you're not going back." And I,
0: <laughs> You pulled it together. <laughs> The oh my goodness. History. I was
1: at three and I've, I've never done another hobby. It's only been
0: dance. Single focus. Um, all the way. Has your family always supported that decision when you decided that you're like, I'm, I'm going to do this, not just as a hobby, but as a profession?
1: Well, sort of. Mm-hmm. My mom was very, you know, as most parents are, very, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not, not trepidatious, but, like... Um, concerned. Concerned about the performing arts career. You know, for her, it wasn't stable, which...
0: Thinking fair. Thinking about it now, <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, okay, <laughs> point. Um, Not always not stable. Always, but I, but um, you had a lot of stability yes, there for a did, long time. I people who had stability. Yeah, we... I knew mm.
1: several of my mentors who were doing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I told my mom I was going to audition for Juilliard, and, you know, I was like, Mom, I'm going to do this. And she said, well, Baby, why don't you just, like, go to school for were like you like to do hair like why don't you go to cosmetology school and I was like those don't make me happy yeah so I you know I started busting my butt like class all the time class after school rehearsal 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 in preparation for Juilliard's audition and I got into Juilliard and I came back well before I auditioned I said mom I'm gonna audition
0: for Juilliard and she said
1: don't you have to be good to get into Juilliard <laughs> and I don't think she meant it like, like, like that but I was like yeah, she
0: like, kind of meant like that's like one yeah, of the top, yeah. the top school, right?
1: Yeah, and I said, well, yes, you do have to be good, and um, <laughs> I, I, I am pretty good, so I'm gonna audition, and and I got in, and I brought the letter home to her. I said, look, I got in, and she was like, okay, all right, well let's, all right, let's let's do this. And she, you know, after that, I mean, she was totally on board. But I think for her, it was like I. I I, you know, I'm a mom. I'm biased. I think my kid's good, but like, how does she compare right. kids? Right. How to do
0: like, don't have a yeah. perspective on that. Yeah.
1: So after that, my my whole family's been super supportive. You that's know, they great. They watched me go through Juilliard. They watched me tour the world and um, the country, and they're like, Chanel, you're you're doing it. Like my aunts and my cousins remember when I was three. Yeah. And I was in my little recitals. They remember that. So to see me now, they're like, that's incredible, Chanel. You've It's you've wonderful. Done it. So they've been awesome.
0: Did any of them ever make it out to Idaho, to visit when you were out there? No. <laughs> Not one single
1: member came. Nigel's skin at the end.
0: Really? Just barely. Came. Well, he was in another country there for a while. He was in Chicago. Oh, in Chicago with that. End, okay. you know, but at that point. Okay. That's the, close. the
1: last week of my time in Boise, I had a going-away party, and Nigel came for like the last three days of my time in
0: Boise.
1: <laughs> he made it. He made it. <laughs> but no, my family. I think. You know, for people who, who don't have people out west, mm-hmm. they're like, what is, well, first of all, it's Boise, Idaho.
0: Right. And it's interesting, like, because I grew up in Michigan, and then I came to New York, but mm-hmm. you're born and raised here.
1: Yeah. Born and raised here. My family's from the South, yeah. North Carolina. They're like, well, what, what's in Idaho? I said, well, I'm there. <laughs>
0: um, I think also, that's the draw. Yeah.
1: also, like, Boise is a cute city. You know, Boise is actually a really little, it's a gem. Yeah. I grew to love it. And the city actually has a lot to offer. I can show you like, outdoorsy stuff. And they're like, well, you know, we'll, we'll get out there sometime.
0: Why did Trey decide to base his company there?
1: Oh, it was a, he, it was a brilliant idea. Um, before he became a full-time company, he had a um, sort of a summer project. Mm-hmm. And they toured to Boise a couple of times because he had a friend who lived there. And they were so welcomed and celebrated by the Boise audience that when it came time for Trey and John Michael, who was the executive director at the time, to choose a home base... You know, of course, they could have been in New York. Of course, they could have been in San Francisco or Houston. You know, they had people who were offering them million-dollar offers to base in these big cities. And they both said, you know what? Why would I make another arts organization in the middle of a recession, 2008, in the arts mecca of the world? Why not go to a a city and an environment who are yearning for more cultivation in the arts? Mm -hmm. And And where you
0: can afford to have a company.
1: My dancers can, can live easily. Effectively. They said what about Boise? And they moved to Boise, Idaho, and you know they got so much slack right They were like, You guys, this is gonna be the death of your dance company, you're made you're committing artistic suicide, Boise, Idaho, one hmm. And it was the most brilliant idea they had because not only were we like recognized for starting a critically acclaimed dance company in Boise, Idaho, but the fact that Boise was behind us, mm-hmm. they treated us like celebrities. The New York Times did, like, three articles on us over the course of six years, full spreads. Yeah. Just on this new idea of bringing arts to, I don't want to say an underserved, but an unlikely community, mm-hmm. you know? So I, it was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> very brave. Very brave, but brilliant.
0: And what was, like, besides, like, uh, the- the auditioning and stuff when you came back to New York are you, what, since you've been back do you kind of feel like oh yeah this is my home and I'll probably my home base will always be New York or since spending all that time away do you kind of feel like oh you know I'll be here for a bit and then maybe I'll try somewhere else again uh, it's kind of the latter
1: um, I don't know
0: I, I know that the work could take you anywhere but if you had your choice if
1: I had my choice I love New York City I love that I grew up here I love the melting pot that it don't always feel like it's a sustainable life yeah. um, to live. Uh, I wish that it wasn't so expensive. I wish that I could see building a family here for real. Yeah, um, you know, those are things I think about. Um, will I always be tied to it? Absolutely. Now that we built over YC, I think it should always be New York City based. I'm a New York City native. I will always be tied to New York, but I don't know that I will always live here especially now that I've lived somewhere else and I know what I can get for my money and I know yeah. what quiet sounds like and I know what fresh air smells like. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that and I lived it for six years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I love New York. I love, I love, I love how I'm always on fire, literally. <laughs> um, but I just wonder if that's sustainable. Yeah. So I can't predict the future, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up in like a neighboring city <laughs> <laughs> We
0: can have a little bit of space. A
1: little bit of space, maybe a front yard.
0: I know it is scary how um I mean the city always goes through fluxes and mm-hmm. changes, but we were in our neighborhood in Astoria and we went, we had to buy like a chest of drawers for our apartment and um this place was moving. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Yeah, this whole building got bought cuz it's going to be you know new fancy apartments and this whole section <laughs> the next couple of blocks down here by Astoria Kaufman Studios is going to be like Long Island City and I was like oh because I love our little neighborhood I'm like I get those feelings of being like am I going to be priced out of my what you now consider your home like how far out am I going to have to move to still mm-hmm. live in New York be in New York City right. we'll see there has to be a way to make it easier for artists that's
1: what
0: I'm saying it gets and so and expensive
1: of like, okay, rent can't get any
0: higher than this. Right. I don't know
1: if there is, especially now that all these high-rises are
0: just... Because I feel like the city would be really boring if all the artists left for everyone else who stays. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I feel like they get bored really quickly. Mm -hmm.
1: That's true. The culture is going to go like that. Crisis out, we have to leave, where's the culture of that neighborhood? We'll
0: all be in Boise.
1: Right? Yeah. (laughs)
0: then <laughs> oh, um, So you said you've been choreographing some too? Yeah. Do you enjoy that?
1: I love choreographing. I yeah. choreographed quite a bit in college and then when you leave school it's a little hard to find studio space and find dancers and mm-hmm. find the time to choreograph. But I've been choreographing quite a bit over the last goodness, well over the last eight years, but more so this, these last two years I just did a piece on Harvard Dance Company mm-hmm. um, I'm doing a piece this spring on LaGuardia Dance LaGuardia's, LaGuardia Senior Dance Concert and uh, where else have I choreographed oh man um, ch- ch- Brooklyn High School for the Arts um, I've made pieces out in Idaho for Idaho Dance Theater um, little studios all over the country um, yeah I've been choreographing I need to sort of start documenting my work I've just been kind of doing it as like freelance work and, mm-hmm. and I I'm realizing that I really love doing it
0: to have, like, a portfolio. hmm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I, I like choreographing. It's, it's one of the more scary things um, that I do. Yeah. Like, a, dance doesn't scare me anymore. I mean, it, 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 it exhilarates me, but it's I'm not afraid. And to teach, I'm not afraid either. But choreography, I feel, challenges me. It's, like, you know, that, that saying, like, do something every day that scares you. Mm-hmm. So I want to start choreographing more so I can get less tentative in the studio. I can just sort of, like my soul and make work that I believe in rather than, you know, trying to make something somebody else will like.
0: Right. So is it the actual, um, making of the moves and doing it, or is it kind of being in that, that leadership role? Oh, that's the scary. the making the moves. Yeah.
1: The making of the moves, like getting in there and like, you know, you've got all these beautiful dancers looking at you, waiting for you to do something so they mm-hmm. can learn it and you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Uh, <laughs> and then you think ahead and like, okay, I have to put this on a stage one day, like, audience gonna like it right but I have to remove all of those other thoughts all the chatter I call it the chatter move the chatter out of the way and just make work that you believe in
0: are there any specific challenges that you've found um being a female dancer as a, like I know you've observed like your close friendship with Nigel and um is there anything going on right now in the dance world that you think needs to change for to make it a little easier for the the women
1: I've never personally had any. well That's not true. I just always was outspoken about it. Um, I find that as a female, you you have to make yourself seen, and I tell this to my students. Um, somewhere in, down the line, the men became super aggressive in the dance world. Like mm-hmm. they're they're gonna. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, You're gonna fucking go for it, mm-hmm. and you will watch them. And I don't know if that's like in leadership positions or all just all all the all other things. dancers. Yeah, mm. like in class, on the, like coming across the floor, and huh. they are there. You can't miss the men, and then the women are just kind of like, yeah, we're dancing, but like you know, we're gonna be polite.
0: polite. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that a word? It's a crippling word. It is. And I am
1: politeness. <laughs> Me too. Um, but I found that, like, oh, okay, I can't be polite to. I need to go with the boys. So I let the girls go. Hmm. And when we go across the floor, I'm dancing with the boys. Because I want to dance with them. I want to have their energy. I'm still a woman. But I want to be in the same energy field that they're in. Hmm. Um, because as a woman, because there's so many of us, mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to get seen. And so I made sure that I was seen. I want to be seen. So I dance like I want to be seen. Um, and so... For the dance world in general there's always it's so interesting for a a genre that's full of women it's mostly directed by men
0: yeah that's that's what i've heard
1: so interesting um but there have been new initiatives so like like we're all the female choreographers you know um and i love that we're all the female directors so that we can like say ladies like we, we can do that too we can be in director and leadership roles like it's it's not it's not a thing um but I think that starts from, like, when you're in class and you're around the other men, like, that whole polite thing where, mm, I, I could say this, but I'm not going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Or if I don't say it, you're not going to not see me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I teach that to my students, my, my female students. Um, That's great. So, yeah, I, I know that there is a struggle, but because I've always decided that I'm going to be seen, I've never so much, like, not gotten something because I wasn't a man.
0: Yeah. Well, there's—I guess part of it's also that, yeah, there's just so many female dancers. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we have that with acting too. (laughs) There's like very few roles, but so many women. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything like when you feel yourself—you're in the dark side—and you need to change your day, turn your day around? Or Mm -hmm. is there anything tangible things that you reach for or do over and over—a certain book that you read, or an album you listen to, or a place you like to go?
1: I try to after not getting an audition after I let myself loathing pass because I let myself feel things now I don't compartmentalize like I used to pretend I'm not upset I let myself cry and then I get dressed and then I go take myself out to eat Mm -hmm. Um, it usually is ramen (laughs) (laughs) comfort food (laughs) yes I have a comfort food date with myself um, and let the feelings pass and then I try to go to a movie yeah. I try to sit down and lose myself in some art um, and that helps that helps me back away from the edge back away from the cliff to do things for myself that I really enjoy right after rejection hmm. um,
0: I love that
1: so that that has helped me a lot um, and then I, I just really try to remind myself to be to be kind to myself and um, and that most times these auditions like has nothing to do with you and your talent. It's just who they know, who they're looking for, what they're looking for. All things I've told my students before, but when you're in that room, it's so different. Yeah. So I just try to remind myself of that and then go have some food that I like, take myself to a movie and then move on. Move on. Yeah. yeah. And then go to the next audition next week. <laughs> <laughs> do it again.
0: And then I also wanted to ask if there's any works you've seen lately that you want to recommend. Anything? Anything, yeah.
1: Oh man, well I saw Hamilton. Yes. Incredible. The best. Um, even after people have like hyped it up so much, it was still it
0: deserves incredible. it, right? No, so good. Up to the hype. So Hamilton good.
1: Totally lived up to the hype. Um,
0: the choreography is great too, right?
1: Yeah, choreography's great. So good. The book, though. I mean, Lin-Manuel.
0: He's incredible. He's
1: brilliant and actually really inspiring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He wrote. He wrote it and starred in it. He made himself the lead. Yes. And I said, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> he might be on something. <laughs> so you can put yourself in your work. Yeah.
0: You
1: know? um, yeah. I know. So Hamilton was dope. I loved it. Um, I, I don't go to enough stuff, partially because it's so expensive. Um, it inspired me to, to to sort of like look for inspiration. You know, like,
0: I know the fact that he read that book and oh I see similarities here and I could see it through this completely different lens. Yeah. That's incredible.
1: And then like I'm gonna set it to rap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So something I feel passionate about with this really amazing story, under told story brilliant. Trust your crazy ideas. But also like find inspiration. It's making me like, okay, I need to read more books, like I need to go to the museum. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like that um what was that random art exhibit we passed when we were at Collins Bachelor
0: Park? Oh, like the drift what was the it? Drift driftwood? Yeah. Or like petrified wood or yes, something? That was so beautiful. Though, this,
1: this piece I'm gonna do for LaGuardia, we're gonna make those in our bodies. Oh like, amazing. Yeah. That's I took it specifically for that. I was like, ooh, this is a good inspiration. But that's what I mean. I need to go to more things that like spark it for me. Um, so that the crazy ideas will come.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's go read more books. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Chanel. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Compass Podcast. I'm Leah Walsh. More episodes are coming soon. Please look for us on Facebook and iTunes. I'd like to thank the following people for their generosity. The Compass cover art is by Kim Miller, music by Brendan Spieth, audio assistance from Nick Choksi, and a special thanks to Frankie J. Alvarez. See you next time.